Welcome to All Things Greater Burlington, where you will hear from the movers, shakers, and changemakers that are moving Greater Burlington forward. Here is your host, Stephen Brody. Welcome to All Things Greater Burlington. The Burlington Bees has had a rich and storied history here in the Greater Burlington area, and it's a pleasure to have with us today their general manager, Tad Lowry, to share with us all things Burlington Bees. So, Tad, welcome and thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I'll uh, I'll share as many things as I can, Burlington Bees. I don't know if it'll be all things, but uh, as much as as much as I can uh, as much as I can come up with. So. I usually don't uh, come with a lot of advanced uh, prep work on this, but I thought it would be interesting just to begin with reading a brief history of the franchise and how long it's been in Burlington for the listeners to understand the rich history uh, that, that the team has had here. The team began playing in Burlington in 1889 as the Burlington Babies. Teams with various nicknames played until the Burlington Pathfinders were named in 1906, keeping the nickname until 1916 and playing in the Central Association. After a hiatus, the Burlington Bees played in the Mississippi Valley League from 1924 to 1932. The franchise then returned as the Burlington Indians in 1947, the same year that their current stadium, Community Field, opened. They won the league championship in 1949, their third and final year in the Central Association. The team joined the 3I League, standing for Illinois, Iowa, and Indiana, in 1952 as the Burlington Flints, but was renamed the Bees in 1954. Burlington joined the Midwest League in 1962 as a farm team of the Pittsburgh Pirates, From 1963 to 1974, they were a farm team of the Kansas City and later the Oakland A's. Subsequent affiliations included the Brewers, Rangers, Expos, Braves, Astros, Giants, Reds, and White Sox. Since 2000, the Bees have had three affiliates, the Kansas City Royals, Oakland Athletics, and most recently, the Los Angeles Angels. Following the 2020 season, the Bees were cut from the Midwest League, unfortunately, and affiliated baseball as part of Major League Baseball's reorganization of the minor leagues. But thankfully, they later joined the Prospect League, a collegiate summer baseball league, which are currently with since 2021. And finally, the Bees have won the Midwest League championship four times in four different decades, 1965, 1977, 1999, and 2008. So quite a storied history here uh, in Burlington. So Tad, with all of that, why don't we start with you? How long have you been associated with the Burlington Bees? Uh, Excuse me. I've been with the Bees since uh, January, I believe, of 2019. Um, I I started in uh, as a sales and, you know, operations position, so taking care of day-to-day things on game days and set up and helping with, with that kind of stuff, um, and then became the, the, the general manager in uh, April of 2021, right before that season started uh, as an interim for that season, and then uh, full-time permanent uh, after that season. So, um, you yeah, know, three-plus years, three-and-a-half years, I've been 
with with the organization uh, as as an employee, having you know gone to games all my life, off and on. So um, have been around around the ballpark, you know, many many times over the course of the years. So yeah, I was going to ask: Is uh, you know baseball in your blood? Is it something that you were connected with? And so this was a this was a great opportunity for you. Um, I, I played baseball up until little league, basically, and, and a little bit beyond that, never in high school or college or anything, but I've always been a baseball fan, um, and have followed, you know, baseball, you know, major league baseball, uh, the Cardinals are my favorite team. So that's the, the team I follow there. Um, uh, the bees have not ever been, uh, as far as I know, a, uh, Cardinals affiliate, but, but I've always followed bees baseball as well. And spent, like I said, a lot of time out there. Uh, as a kid growing up and as I got older, um, able to, you know, go out on my own and, and take my kids out there and things like that. So, yeah. Well, as somebody who loves baseball and loves minor league baseball, um, I'm probably going to ask you really interesting questions, questions that, uh, uh, you know, come to mind. You always wonder like, how does this work? How does this operate? So, so for one thing, um, do you have such a thing as a typical day, uh, working with not a really. baseball organization, <laughs> not really. Okay, um, and and especially during the season, um, and, and right before you know, in planning and things like that. Like in the off season, I guess yeah. There's kind of a typical day where you know we do things in the office, book work and things like that. Um, you know, taking care of all those things on the administrative side. Um, however, you know, starting soon, we'll, we'll start our, our selling season for next year, you know, getting sponsorships and selling, you know, season tickets and things like that. So it's, it's a lot of different, uh, aspects to it, you know, sales and administration and all sorts of things. Um, you know, we'll start, uh, as soon as we do get our schedule for next year, we'll start, uh, planning, um, specific dates for our fun uh, promotional days and all those kind of things. Uh, but then, you know, once the season rolls around, yeah, I mean, there's there's not a typical day. It can start at six, seven o'clock in the morning where we have to um, take a tarp off of the field because it, you know, rained the day before. So we had to make sure that the field was playable um, and, you know, get everything set up for whatever uh, events or promotion we have for that that day's game. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always something different for sure. How, how much goes into scheduling the season? Who's, who's involved with that? That's uh, on the, that's part of the league, um, the league office. Um, I, I'm, so the way the prospect league is set up, we, we, each team has a, a uh, representative on their board of directors, which I happen to be that person. So I am involved in the league process as well. Um, so, excuse me, um, the scheduling then becomes a matter of um, all the teams, you know, giving input on what dates work, what don't for certain, you know, certain time frames. You know, there may be other events at their ballparks because a lot of the um, teams, you know, lease from the city or different things like that. Uh, so they have other events that have to be, you know, uh, coordinated with. Um, we don't have that so much, but there are different things that come up different times where we need to do that. So we then um, have an outside party that we then submit those things to that will then come up with a, an official schedule for okay. the season. Okay. Um, so we, you know, we give parameters on, you know, do we want, you know, 
a lot of games in a row at home, a lot of games, you know, or just a couple here and there. So, and I've noticed that with with the schedule, there's sometimes you might have two games during the week. There's others you might have four or five during the week. Always fascinated as to how that variety would be there. Yeah, and that that kind of comes down to you know some of the other teams in the league whether they have you know specific dates that they you know have to be on the road or prefer to be at home and things like that. You know, same for us. There are certain dates that, you know, that we always prefer to be home and things like that. Um, but it, last year in 2021, it was, it was a little different because we, we didn't get into the league until a little bit later uh, or closer to the season. So they kind of had to adjust the schedule to, you know, to fit that in. So it was um, a little bit, I think for us better in 2022, um, having a little bit more consistency on, you know, being home for three or four games. There were a few times where, you know, we had a one-off where we'd go play, you know, Quincy or over in uh, Illinois Valley, which is in Peru, you know, one game here and there yeah. with some of those places. Yeah. But it, it was a little more consistent on, you know, three and four games at home and, and on, then on the road. Um, so that kind of worked out better, you know, this last year. So. Sure. Now getting into the nitty gritty, how do you get involved in the drafting or selection of players for the team? Because obviously now you're not affiliated with a major league team. This is now scouting or whatever terms you want to use, getting college players to come. So how's that work? How, how, how do you get those players to come here? Sure. Uh, I, I'm, a little bit involved in that, not not so much, other than trying to you know reach out and make contacts with you know find new uh, colleges, coaches, things like that that you know just happen to try and find on LinkedIn or or whatever to try and uh, get in touch with those. But most of that is actually our field manager, who you know is our head coach basically. Okay. Um, and, and most of the uh, clubs have um, a college coach or an assistant or something like that that is their coach in the summer. Um, so, so they're pretty plugged into, you know, those pipelines to get, you know, other coaches, other um, already have connections um, and, and take care of most of that. So our coach does most of that okay. um, as far as specifically, you know, recruiting and, and securing uh, players. So does he, he basically sends some sort of a solicitation out to, uh, is there like a network that he goes out to and say, hey, I need to fill a, a club? I mean, it's interesting. What What is it that attracts a player to be available? Yeah, I'll, I'll come and play during the summer. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the kids want to play, and uh-huh. it's up to them. Um, but a lot of the college coaches um, will have uh, some of their players that they want to get more, uh, more at-bats or more innings pitched um, to get some more work in the summer, you know, between – uh, that off off season. So typically, I think, like I said, the the coaches, you know, a lot of them know each other, so they'll reach out to the ones that they know, or or kind of then start to um, branch out and get other contacts from other um, schools where they you know can bring in kids. And like I said, a lot of the kids you'll see are are ones that didn't necessarily get as much work, you know, in the spring because their official college season is in the spring. Um, you know, what, what counts, I guess, you know, when they play for, you know, conference and, and national championships. Um, so they do that. Then they also, uh, then some of the kids will play in the summer. Uh, and then they have uh, fall season, which is typically their um, exhibition uh, or, you know, 
um, things like that for, yeah. for the colleges. So yeah. yeah, it's really just kids and, and coaches that want to send their kids to different places to just get, get more reps in. And I know one thing that's been very popular in Burlington has been the whole host family program in having families volunteer their homes and open their homes to players. Of course, that happened during the the major league affiliations as well. Mm-hmm. So, so the player comes and stays with a host family. Is there anything else that the player gets coming out here? Because you you know you start delving now with can you pay them? Can you not sure. pay them? So what what are the I guess some of the the perks or benefits by playing? Um, I guess the biggest perk is is the experience. Um, you know, we had we had kids last year from you know as far as California out to um, Pennsylvania, I think, um, and you know, in places in between. So it's it's a little bit of just the experience of of getting to a new place and meeting you know other players and and connecting that way. Yeah. Um, some of the kids, which the nature of college sports these days with the transfer portal, they they may have you know entered the transfer portal and they're, you know, looking for other opportunities for somewhere to play, you know, the following season and things like that. So yeah. there's, there's a little bit there and, and also to get seen potentially by, by a professional scout. Um, they do come out occasionally, you know, that way. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that they're kind of looking for, um, keeping their skills sharp and, you know, like I said, possibly getting seen and, and signed with either an independent team or picked up, you know, signed with even a, you know, major league club and to, you know, play minor league ball there. So, yeah. Are they able to get any sort of stipend or can they not receive any, anything? And so like when they're here, how do they survive? Uh, it's, it's mostly on them. They actually pay a fee to play in the league. Um, the, the host families, we provide, uh, basically housing for them and then their travel, um, and then, and post game meals for them. So, Pretty much everything else is on them. A lot of the host families will take it on themselves to provide some food and different things like that okay. uh, for the kids that are staying there. Yeah. Um, but but really, I mean, it, it's technically up to up to the players uh, and their their families. Um, so you know, we we provide, like I said, the lodging, transportation on the road, uh, lodging on the road, uh, the food on the road, um, and then you know, a, a post game meal when they're here. Um, you know, then they, they get, you know, um, their game hats and stuff like that. Our, our uniforms are, you know, um, ones that we use <laughs> year to year, but, but they'll get their hats and, and some of their, their warm-up gear and stuff like that that, okay. um, that we provide them. So, Some behind-the-scenes questions that have always fascinated me. Where do you, where do you go, for example, to get your uh, items in the, in the souvenir shop? Uh, you know, do you have local vendors? Do you do you go out? Where? How do you how do you stock your shop? It's it's a mix of both. Uh, some of the things we do get, you know, from local vendors, um, but a, a lot of what we get for for those uh, actually go back to a lot of our um, connections from the minor league system. Um, what normally would happen it hasn't for the last few years. Um, with the winter meetings, there would be, you know, vendor fairs yeah, where, right. where there would be, you know, all the different, you know, um, apparel and, and uh, novelty, you know, all you see your uh, 
little mini bats and and logo right. baseballs and keychains right. and all that stuff. Yeah, and there's several different ones, you know, in in every avenue. You know, there's there's several different vendors in the apparel side and in you know other novelty and everything. So it, it's we we still have some of those connections. Um, that we've continued to use okay. and, and have you know looked for some new ones. Um, unfortunately, with some of our stuff, um, they were exclusive to like the minor league affiliates. Okay. So we've had to look at some of the others, but we know a lot of the ones that are out there that we can uh, look to, um, to, you know, to start a relationship with and um, and start getting products from them. Is there anything comparable in the prospect league, which is like that? I mean, are there still vendor fairs? Are there, are there winter meetings or spring meetings, anything similar like we, that? We do have league meetings a couple times a year. Um, this past one, um, the, it was in Springfield, Illinois. So they, that was the team that kind of coordinated it, put it together. And they did bring in some, uh, some vendors, um, and, and more so this time, um, than what we had done in the past from, from the time I've been in, you know, the prospect league. Yeah. Um, so, so we've been able to do that, um, a little bit there. T- typically there would be a couple of vendors that would come and make a presentation during the meetings, you know, different points there. Yeah. Um, they did put together a bit of a vendor fair, um, at, at this, this particular recent meeting, which was, uh, back in October. Yeah. So. How about concessions? How how do you handle that? Concessions is uh, we do it in house, um, so we do you know all the cooking and preparation and everything there. Some some teams will you know have a third party uh, concession vendor that you know basically leases the space or they do some kind of revenue split or something. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know how that works exactly, but I'm fairly um, sure that that's how they do it. But uh, we do everything in house. We do you know have a couple of people that um, we we have oversee the kitchen staff. Um, a lot of our um, serving and things like that are volunteer groups that that come in um, and and help us out, uh, you know, for for some fundraising for their groups as well. So, yeah. um, you know, Boy Scouts and some of the um, other groups around town, uh, Kiwanis, you know, organizations like those and, and some others that um, come in and and we fill some of the spots that way. Yeah, talk about the. Uh the organizational structure of of the bees, uh, because you have uh, like a board, right? Mm-hmm. There's a board, so you don't have somebody who technically is the owner, correct, of the team. So correct. how how is the team run? There, there's uh, the board of directors, um, which consists of 15 members um, for the Burlington Baseball Association board. Um, who oversees the the entire organization? Um, they hire the general manager, which happens to be myself at this time. Um, that then runs the day to day of of the uh, operation. Um, with you know, currently there's just myself then on full time staff and one other person, Jill Mason, who's our assistant general manager. So just two of us right now. Um, in the past, when we had a you know bigger schedule and had the affiliation with. Uh, Major League Baseball um, had a few more on staff from time to time. Typically, you know, from you know three to five, just depending on the year. And, and you know, if somebody moved on and didn't refill that position. But as of right now, there's just two of us um, on full time staff. So um, yeah, but the the board oversees the whole thing, and 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 uh, you know, we work in 
coordination with the board to uh, you know to make decisions and and do things uh, for the organization. So they leave most of the day to day to to the office staff. Yeah. Um, to, to do, you know, all that stuff, the scheduling and promotions and, you know, concessions, all that stuff. So I know it was a real sad and unfortunate situation when Burlington and Clinton, for that matter, mm-hmm. were, were dropped and both teams now are in the prospect league. W- what was the, I guess, the biggest adjustment, you know, to go from that to now being in a, a summer collegiate league that you had to transition into? Um, so the, the biggest thing would have been the length of schedule. Uh, typically it was, you know, it would start like first week of April through the end of August, maybe into the first week of September and have, um, 140 games, uh, you know, so 70 home games to, yeah. to fill yeah. <clears throat> within that time. So that was one of the biggest changes. We're now, um, a 60 game schedule, um, up until this point. So, um, with the prospect league up until this season. So, um, the, those were, that was the biggest change. And then having to secure our own players, um, as opposed to having sure. them just, you know, sent here, uh, By from, the big club. from the big club. Once they were done in spring training, they would say, all right, you 30, 32 guys, whatever you're going to, you know, Burlington, uh, these 32 or whatever are going to, you know, the, the, you know, double a and, and whatever. So, having to do all that on our own. Um, and those are the biggest changes, you know, like I said, the, the scheduling and, um, and then of course, then having to, you know, secure our own, uh, coaching staff and players. Yeah, sure. So what happens when the, the players show up when they, when they come, what do you do in terms of maybe an orientation or a welcome, a way to get them acclimated to, this is where you're going to be for the next couple months. Sure. So. A little bit different now than in the past as well, because they would basically all show up at the same time on one bus. Um, now it's kind of, you know, we get kids coming from all over and they, they get here on their own. So, you know, we may have, you know, most of the team, you know, show up uh, just a few days before the season because they're typically finishing up their college seasons, um, which those can run into, you know, we start, um, I can't remember the first date, but May 31st, June 1st. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, and you know, the College World Series and, and other regionals and things don't happen until, you know, the first couple of weeks of June. That's right. So uh, we may have not a full, you know, our full roster at that time. But, you know, once they get here, we, we typically right before the season, uh, the last couple of years, uh, of course, that's <laughs> as long as we've had to do that uh, with the Prospect League, um, have a get together with the host families so they can, you know, meet their host family, um, go from, you know, we take them over um to boogaloo and have pizza for everyone and and um you know get together so like i said everyone can meet each other meet the teammates um because before you know they would have known each other having worked out in spring training all together so now you know yeah we get you know a few guys from from certain schools you know that know each other uh but for the most part none of them really do so they're meeting each other for the first time and we may have you know some of our host families will you know house two or three or four players well they may be we try to keep them together with guys they know as much as possible or guys from the same school but they may be completely you know from you know different areas different uh schools and things like that so um yeah so then you know we get them together get them with their host family and then you know Usually they'll they'll do some workouts um, 
practice and things, you know, the couple days before the season. So we'll sit down with them and kind of go over the, the ground rules um, and a little bit of an orientation, kind of tell them a little bit about Burlington, where to find this or that, where to get the best haircut, where to get the best tacos, whatever, uh, you know, whatever they need to know from us. And, and we keep a, a pretty good communication with them, yeah. you know, throughout the season as well. So when the season ends, is there anything that they get to take home with them other than the experience of playing in a collegiate league? Is there, is there anything that they, that they get as a thank you that, that is, we, we don't have anything specific, um, you know, but like, as I said, they, they, they get to keep their game hats, um, you know, so they have that as, as a, uh, um, souvenir, I guess, from, from their time, um, so that that's probably really about the only thing that that they get to keep, um, other than the experience, so. How's it been in the prospect league so far as an organization for for you to work with? Is it a good? It's gone good pretty group? well. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've you know had no no problems with with the organization, the prospect league itself. Um, it's it's been you know pretty good experience so far. So. What are you hearing in terms of the? This is the crystal ball, of course. <clears throat> what are you hearing in terms of future? potential realignment or any expansion? Are you hearing anything about the possibility of maybe getting back into minor league baseball, or do you think that's a closed door for now? I think that's probably a closed door. My personal feeling is that there will be even less teams in the minor league system in the future. Oh, I don't know that for (laughs) because of anything other than just kind of, you know, what I've seen with the first time they did it. Yeah. Um, so it just it just seems like you know that Major League Baseball wants to you know trim it back, um, and and I, I could see them doing it again. Yeah. Um, so the the changeover for us kind of happened at the best time. Um, you know, right after that, you know, twenty twenty when there was no season um, sure. and moving forward, there you know there would have been a lot of things we would have. Um, we would have had to do with with Major League Baseball with the new setup. Um, that that would have made it difficult for us to continue, you know, um, new uh, facilities and different things like that. That would have would have made it difficult to you know to continue on. Um, so the change kind of happened at you know really a pretty good time where you know we were able to move on. Um, you know, when, when that first list came out, we were pretty aware that that we were going to be one of the ones if slash when it you know happened that they. Um, did the you know the realignment yeah um so you know we were we were the smallest market in in full season minor league baseball yeah um there are other smaller ones but they were you know rookie leagues and things like that that didn't play the entire you know 140 game schedule so yeah. we were the smallest um geographically we we don't really align well with you know with the teams we were affiliated with or, or even um some of the other um major league clubs so mm-hmm. um it was it was difficult for those things and that, those are you know probably the main reasons that we were not continued you know with the minor league uh, major league baseball system so and yet the burlington area has still embraced this team because even though you have less games mm-hmm. your attendance numbers have gone up per right. game right yeah yep Yep, uh, attendance has gone up year over year, even from first year with the Prospect League um, to the second year. Uh, attendance was up year year over year, um, and, and I think part of that is is because we're able to bring in 
um, some local kids um, and things like that. So it kind of keeps um, the interest level high um, seeing kids that have played, you know, at Burlington, West Burlington, New London, you know, those places that are, are able to come in and play for us. Um, as well as we've, we've kept the experience fun, um, the family experience at the ballpark yeah. um, and tried to enhance that even market to, you know, families, young families that just want to come out and have a good time yep. um, at, at a reasonable price. Yes. Um, it's, it's hard to do anything with a family of four or five or six for, <laughs> I, I <laughs> for, <know that>. <laughs> <laughs> for a reasonable cost anymore. So we've tried to keep that affordable, yeah. um, but, but still have a lot of uh, fun things with, you know, on-field contests and promotional nights with giveaways and prizes and all those kind of things. Well, I, <clears throat> I will agree with that. I've, for as long as I've been in the Midwest uh, and living in Illinois, I have come across the river and I've attended games in Burlington uh, for years. And it's a wonderful venue, wonderful entertainment. The value is there. You're not going to go broke uh, att- attending a game, and I and I've always really appreciated that. If if there are folks who want to get involved, or I don't know how many like paid positions there are, if it's strictly volunteer, but if people want to get involved and do something with the bees um, during the season, uh, how do they go about doing that? Uh, they can contact us at the office. Um, you know, we do we do hire some paid positions that you know that run our cash registers and and do some different things like that. Um, those are paid positions uh, aside from the volunteers that, you know, will, uh, you know, run food and, and prepare and different things like that. So we do have a few paid positions um, that, that we do for the summer, as well as, you know, if you have an organization that you're, that you're involved with, um, we're always looking for um, other volunteer organizations to fill those positions, as well as uh, host families. You know, if you have an extra room, really all, all the kids need um, from a host family is a place to you know, sleep and shower and, you know, prepare food. Um, they don't need a whole lot, uh, but we like to, you know, keep them in, in, you know, with, with good families and, you know, nice places and things like that. So, um, I did it a couple years ago, actually had a couple guys stay at our house. Um, so yeah, uh, if you have an extra room in the basement or off, you know, <laughs> the, the extra wing in your house, then, uh, <laughs> we would be more than happy to, uh, to consider you for a host family or again for you know other positions out there through the summer. And what's the phone number to to call? Uh 319-754-5705. Excellent. Well, unfortunately we are out of time. It went really fast, but I am so glad that you were here to share all things Burlington Bees with the with the audience. And so Ted, uh thank you so much for coming in and uh, continued success in your role with the bees. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me out. We appreciate you listening to all things Greater Burlington. Don't forget to like and subscribe and let us know uh, who you'd like us to interview. If you have someone of interest, uh, give us a call at the Greater Burlington Partnership offices and we would be happy to reach out to those individuals. So until next time, thank you so much and uh, we'll see you next time. been listening to all things greater burlington with stephen brody be sure to hit the subscribe button to catch all new episodes to learn more about all things greater burlington visit greaterburlington.com atgb